Welcome to a podcast from Food and Drink Federation Scotland. FDF Scotland is the membership body for Scotland's food and drink manufacturers. We represent and support our members on the issues that are important to them. My name is Joanne Burns and I'm the Reformulation for Health Manager at Food and Drink Federation Scotland. This podcast is the next in the reformulation series, supporting the food and drink industry to make their products healthier. The Reformulation for Health programme is funded directly by the Scottish Government to support SME food businesses to develop healthier recipes of commonly consumed products within Scotland. The support and advice of the Reformulation for Health programme is free and open to all food manufacturers, not just FDF members. The Reformulation for Health programme focuses on eight key areas of reformulation, including reducing sugar, salt, fat and calories, but we also work on positive reformulation and enriching products with fibre and fruit and vegetables. Today, we're going to be shining the spotlight on sugar as we are within Sugar Awareness Week 2021. We'll be discussing sugar within the diet, current intake targets, as well as looking at how food manufacturers can reduce sugar content by using sugar alternatives and support consumers to meet the recommended intake targets. For food manufacturers looking to reformulate sugars, there's a wide variety of areas that must be considered first. Do you want to simply reduce portion size? Are you wanting to reduce the content of sugar within your product by a percentage? Are you wanting to reformulate certain parts of your recipe, for example, the main sponge of a cake or just the fillings and toppings or inclusions? Or are you wanting to replace sugar with a low calorie sugar alternative? And hopefully we'll come up with some answers for you throughout the podcast. I'm delighted to be joined um, today by Dr. Cother Hashem, Campaign Lead with Action on Sugar and Research Fellow at Queen Mary University of London. Hello. I'm also joined by Julie Mee, UK Business Development Manager with Zusto. Hi. Hi, Julie. And Rory Skinner, owner and director of Treat Cheats, who manufacture a 99 calorie chocolate snack bar. Great to be here. Thank you, Rory. Now, before we start to discuss solutions in sugar consumption, um, I think it's really first necessary for us to understand and explain exactly what sugar is and its important role within the body. Now, we know sugar is a key energy source for humans and it's consumed as carbohydrates and comes in many shapes and forms. I think most people are probably aware of sucrose or common table sugar, fructose is found in fruit or lactose found in milk. But Cawther, do you mind explaining a little bit more about the important role that sugar plays in the body, but also the, the negative effects of consuming too much sugar? Yeah, sure. Um, so in terms of um, the you know the role of sugar we we break down sugars into glucose which is used for in, in the muscles and the brain etc but then the type that's coming through your diet um is 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 going to be different ideally people should be having or getting their glucose uh, that's needed from carbohydrates and not necessarily from refined sugar. Um, and by refined sugar, we mean the sucrose that's come from sugar cane or sugar beets, but also fruit juice or fruit juice concentrate that are added to products. They will contribute to the definition of free sugars, that ingredient that is added uh, that contributes to uh, the sugar content, the overall sugars content of a product. Um, and the consequences of having too much sugar in general um, is um, the main one, I would say, particularly now because I'm just thinking about children because that's what we're focused on uh, for Sugar Awareness Week. But it's going to be dental health. So we we know that sugar, you know, damages the strongest tissue in the human body, and that's the, our teeth. 
Um, and we know, for example, that children in the UK are still suffering extensive tooth decay where three to four teeth are uh, decayed in, in, in five-year-olds uh, on average. And in terms of other other consequences, we know that um, there is a contribution of having too much sugar or sugary products when it comes to uh, risk of overweight or obesity or weight gain in general. Uh, they tend to be in products that are very Moorish uh, and people overconsume, and as a result, uh, contributes to that excess calorie intake that's coming from sugary products. And finally, in terms of drinks, we know there is a link between having too many sugary drinks and risk of type 2 diabetes. Fantastic, author. That's quite a scary statistic that you mentioned in terms of our young children's teeth and the, the kind of ongoing issue there with, with sugar consumption. Can I um, maybe just ask you to elaborate a little bit more as well? I mean, I know we're recommended to limit the amount of sugars that we consume to no more than 5% of our daily calorie intake. But do you mind explaining a little bit about what that actually equates to in terms of consumption maybe for the consumer? A lot of people might not quite understand what 5% of their energy intake is kind of equal to in terms of sugars. Yeah, sure. Um, so for young children, so four to six year old, the recommendation for maximum sugar intake is only 19 grams, which I think equates to about five teaspoons uh, in total. Uh, from seven to 10 year olds, uh, it's 24 grams. So I think that's about six teaspoons. Um, and then 11 plus and adults, uh, it's only 30 grams. And bear in mind some fizzy drinks, a typical can of a fizzy drink could contain up to 35 grams of sugar. Um, and so it's quite difficult to achieve that maximum intake uh, or that, that kind of allowance in a way. Um, because, you know, sugar is kind of in not just in soft drinks, but it's in, in a whole host of products. And that's why, on average, we as adults exceed that level by about double that amount. And in terms of children, triple that amount uh, based on the diet and nutrition surveys that are conducted in the UK. So, yeah, it's a very small amount. And but we, we it's not about just relying on people. Uh, you know, trying to reduce sugar in their diet, but actually what could manufacturers do? What could, uh, you know, have, you know, many different areas that, that could help us in reducing sugar intake. Yeah, but you've, you've certainly helped us set the scene on why reformulation is, is so important. I mean, that double, double the intake for adults and triple for children really does just emphasise how important it is for manufacturers to reformulate commonly consumed products as well as for consumers to maybe understand more about what's in their product and, and reading labels. I suppose one, one, one kind of simple question just to put out to all three of you. Why do you think we're, we're consuming too much sugar? Does anyone have an answer to that? I know it's quite a, <laughs> that's quite a difficult question. Well, well I mean, I, I'll happily take a stab at that. But I think, you know, a lot of the products we've grown up knowing and loving and, and enjoying uh, are, are packed with sugar. Um, sugar is inherently addictive. <laughs> and it's also very cheap so, so it makes sense that you know traditionally food manufacturers have have used a lot of sugar in products they will sell more so, so I think at a high level there's sort of been an obvious rationale for food manufacturers using a lot of sugar given that it's addictive and it's cheap and it's been heavily marketed to, 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 to us as consumers uh, and, and the, you know it tastes good so I think that would be my, my sort of rationale behind sugar consumption yeah, we've got quite a lot of steps in that we need to we need to undo. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> um, OK, so we've looked briefly at what sugars are, how much we should be consuming. But in terms of the food industry, I think it's important that we understand that sugar 
can perform a wide variety of functions within the manufacturing process rather than just adding sweetness. We know it adds kind of texture and bulk and structure to a product. It can help with ferm the fermentation process for maybe bread and, and kind of yeast-based products, as well as the Mallard reaction for caramelisation and stabilising products and shelf life. So I think it's important that we really carefully research and trial any recipe alterations carefully, especially for any any people considering reformulation. And I would just like to say that that is exactly why the reformulation for health team is here. We can help support and guide businesses through that reformulation process and give them advice on different ingredient alternatives and how to apply them within your sector. For any businesses that are listening, though, what I would say is if you're exploring sugar reduction simply by reducing the percentage of sugar within the product, not necessarily swapping to an alternative, do be aware that that will, by reducing your sugar content in bulk, that will naturally increase the percentage of other ingredients, sometimes in a negative way, nutritionally for health. So we need to make sure that any reductions are, are kind of carefully managed if you're looking at doing it that way. One of the other key ways to reduce sugar content is to use an ingredient that mimics the functions of sugar while still giving the correct texture and mouthfeel of the products that we know and love, as Rory was mentioning earlier. One common way to achieve this kind of delicate balance is using bulking agents and sweeteners. Bulking agents replace the bulk that's lost when sugar is removed uh, from products. And examples of bulking agents contain are, are things like polydextrose or inulin. Sometimes people know that as chicory root fibre. But bulk sweeteners are not often as sweet as sucrose. So they're normally used in combination with an intense sweetener, such as sucralose. Um, just to put it into context, you would only need a very small content of an intense sweetener. Something like sucralose is about 600 to 650 times sweeter than normal table sugar sucrose. What I would be just want to um, highlight those, if anyone is looking at considering the use of intense sweeteners, there are regulatory restrictions around maximum uses of those within products. So we would encourage you to make sure you research the regulations around that or contact us if you want any more advice on that. Now, Rory, you seem to have your finger on the pulse on in terms of kind of bulk sweeteners and intense sweeteners and things like that, having developed a sweet chocolate snack product with reduced sugar. What were your main drivers for this and how did you, how did you select which products to use within your chocolate bar? Was it quite a process developing your Treat Cheats product? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a process. And I'll be very transparent and think it wasn't an easy process. But I think you know, probably going back to the starting point, which is consumer demand. So we, we spoke to um, hundreds of consumers trying to understand what they were looking for in, in new snacking products. And, you know, there is a real demand from consumers to, to have healthier products. Mm -hmm. um, and that comes both in terms of lower sugar, uh, lower calorie. And we looked at how we could d deliver on that. Moving forward and looking at the, the sort of technical process of how we achieved this, you know, it's been complex. We've tested a lot of blends of sweeteners um, and obviously Julie from, from Zustos in this call here, which is a, a fantastic product. But it's been a real process, both, you know, working with sweeteners and understanding how they differ to traditional sugars, because there's obviously a lot of research and a lot of recipes for products using traditional sugars. But the, the same understanding, I don't think is quite there yet when it comes to sweeteners, the range of sweetener blends that are available and how they all perform differently. So I think 
more work is needed, more research probably needed in that area. Can I just say there, Rory, that I couldn't agree more because with the, obviously with the Zisto, we do a lot of, we've just started up again now with a lot of um, stalls and um, shows with the Zisto. And there is, it's, it's great to get direct feedback from our end consumers. And, and there is definitely a perception of sweeteners in the market. Um, and, you know, when I'm when I'm talking to people, I definitely get this trend coming through of healthier alternatives. Oh, sugar alternative. And then there's like, oh, well, you know, I use this or this doesn't work. So there is definitely like you say, um, there's a definitely a lot more work in terms of understanding, you know, other products like the Zisto that are out there on the market. Yeah, I do. I think you're absolutely right, Julie. I think it's maybe people might have tried one product. And it might not be suitable for the application that they need. And then they just revert back to what they were they were possibly doing before. I mean, we are certainly looking at developing some fact sheets at the moment to try and help people understand the different applications and, and uses of different types of sweeteners. I would also say if anyone's interested in learning a little bit more about sugars, we do have a spotlight on sugars document on the FDF website that people can go in and access. It is open to, to anyone to, to download. It is a couple of years old, but there's lots of great information there about, about sweeteners and their use within different sectors of food manufacturing. Can I ask Julie then, so what, what would you say is the biggest functional challenge when it comes to developing a sugar alternative? What, what are the kind of main hurdles? I just want to say in terms of the sugar alternatives that are out there on the market, obviously you mentioned, Joanne, about the concentrated sweeteners. Uh-huh. Um, Zusto is... Um, it's not it's not that what Zisto is is it's a unique blend of fibers and sweeteners and the products was actually developed in Belgium it was developed over several years it was a joint research project um, and it's been developed specifically as a unique blend and ratio of different fibers and and sweetener it's only a tiny 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 amount of sweetener just to give that sweetness so that it replicates not only the sweetness in the taste of sugar but the functionality which is really important as you mentioned before um you know in the texture and structure so the functionality is really important and all these things have been taken into account and because the zisto is a unique blend of all these fibers it can actually replicate sugar in terms of a one-to-one as well so with the with the other products maybe you'd need to do ratios or the concentrated sweeteners with the zisto actually you talk about reformulation but with the zisto it's one-to-one so if it was 100 grams of sugar you've got your existing recipes you can just use 100 grams of zisto so it makes that a lot easier in terms of not having to change the ratios in terms of the end structure and texture of products which makes it quite unique but also um, the functionality, um, Zusto actually um, is so soluble and it's very heat stable. It actually caramelizes. So um, it's quite unique in that area. We had recently actually one of our um, bloggers put out a nut brittle recipe. So it's actually very different in terms of the functionality of what it can actually achieve. So all these issues in terms of replicating the sweetness, the structure, the texture and the functionality have all been taken into account during the development of the product so it was actually developed and it's manufactured in Belgium. So a lot of the the challenges and functional issues that people maybe have around reformulation of all are all kind of collated within within your product. Can I ask you you said it's a simple one-for-one swap in terms of recipes now obviously sugar is normally four calories per gram 
What's the calorie difference with Zisto? So Zisto uh, has 75% less calories than traditional sugar. So this is obviously, if you're looking for, you know, sugar reduction or calorie reduction, it's something that's going to give you that that solution. And, you know, we put recipes out for our consumers, for food manufacturers, and some of the recipes, you know, the calorie reduction, just for example, in a banana loaf, uh, we I make them myself. And, you know, there's five and 600 calories per cake that you're actually saving. But the key difference, again, with the Zusto is, it's it's in the taste and Rory mentioned about the um you know the consumers in the market research and people looking for healthy alternatives but one of the key things that we're finding through the research in the consumers is they do not want to sacrifice taste and this is a key thing that comes through you know through our own research so uh, with the Zusto not only are you saving the calories but also you haven't really got the sacrifice on the taste because you haven't got that necessarily a bitter aftertaste So it's a bit of a winner in terms of the calorie reduction. And some of these recipes, like the brownies, they use a lot of, you know, they are high. Like we were saying, like you were saying, Rory, in terms of the sugar, they are very high in sugar to start. So, you know, the calorie savings quite big. All I can say, Julie, is you're making me hungry thinking about bananas. (laughs) I think I might need to have a little afternoon doing some baking. What, What I would really like to say there, and I think it's just something to reiterate to anyone listening to the podcast is some of the sugar alternatives, and I know we're obviously talking about Sugar Awareness Week and and the importance of reducing sugar in the diet because we are consuming too much. I think it's also understanding the the other benefits that come from looking at some sugar alternatives, such as Zusto. So not only sugar reduction, calorie reduction, with in some cases also fat reduction with some of the functional fibres that can be used to reduce sugar content and calories, but also enriching products, the fibre content for these products will go up by using functional fibre sugar alternatives. Yes, absolutely. And the other good thing is because just it is fibre based, but also um, it's some of the fibres in there are corn and chicory. And these fibres actually give additional health benefits. So they give prebiotic health benefits as well. So not only like you say, Joanna, you you're not only reducing sugar, reducing calorie, but you're also getting additional health benefits, which is a, is a very key thing because it is it is a healthy sugar alternative. So it's giving you lots of benefits in terms of, uh, you know, healthy options, which we know consumers are looking for in the market. Yeah, it was really interesting hearing you say about the importance of taste. I mean, the, the, during lockdown, we did some consumer based research on attitudes and perceptions of reformulation, as well as some industry research and taste came up first as the most important yeah. issue on reformulation for both industry as well as consumers so it's really I think as you say it's really important we try and maintain that taste expectation mm-hmm. still delivering on health can I just ask Julie just because it's been really interesting hearing you talk about your product if a business was interested in maybe learning more about Zusto or working with another company that does sugar alternatives how would you normally start that process with them would it be would you send samples would you look at their recipes for them how would that normally work so normally, yes, they can contact us direct. They can contact me direct or go to our website, uh, zusto.co.uk. Um, our email address is hello at zusto.co.uk or there's a, there's a telephone number on the website. Um, yeah, feel free to contact us. Um, what we normally do is uh, we would get an inquiry. Um, we would send a sample. We would ask if they could tell us a little bit about their business just because we like to help build partnerships and relationships to help through any 
technical issues that they might have. I mean, you know, it's, it's going, you know, there are lots of different applications. We leave the sample with the customer and normally they would come back if they've got issues or they would come back and say that they're very pleased with the results that they've got. So we, we see it very much as a partnership. We understand, I mean, my background is food science and nutrition and food industry and NPD technology. So I understand the challenges and the processes that, you know, custom, the, the, that our customers need to go through in order to get different recipes through. I understand that these things take time. So mm-hmm. we like to work in partnership and relationship. Really, it starts from the development stage. So we like to do that with them. It's very much, a, you know, a, help, a helping through technical and partnership relationship. I suppose one consideration for businesses reformulating is whether or not to go public about their product changes. Um, some brands choose to promote the changes, like yourself, Rory, your your product is very open about the health, the nutritional profile of your product, but others choose to maybe kind of remain silent yeah. and almost kind of health by stealth and reformulate in the background. I'd just maybe like to open it up to all three of you. I don't know, Cawther, in terms of policy, do you have a different idea or perception of whether or not people should discuss or highlight any changes to the recipe or maybe Julian Rory maybe you've got different different ideas on how that should work and um, from our view I think it's best to not highlight it um it's kind of changing the recipes like you said by stealth or unobtrusively um and not um kind of flagging it because what tends to happen or what we've seen from from research particularly on salts is if you flag it even if it's an identical recipe people just automatically think that this is going to taste differently this is not going to be as tasty um as the standard product so we'd like to see the standard products being changed gradually um Mm. to improve them um and therefore uh, not really not really pointing them out but there might be some exceptions it's it's something all three of you have touched on uh and something that that again when we uh, understood a lot of research was the the, the top factor for customers and the taste you know the taste has to be on point and it's interesting from our perspective we obviously heavily push the nutritional content of our product and i think you know changing habits is really difficult for consumers mm-hmm. i think the onus is really on us as the food industry to, to create healthier versions of the products people already know and love you know instead of, instead of expecting consumers to change their habits and diets on mass so, so we, we try and point this out to consumers you know that you can have your cake and eat it <laughs> excuse the pun <laughs> but um you know the option is there it's been done before and we're trying to push that forward in the the chocolate industry you can have healthier products that taste just as good and you know you should be opting for the healthier versions as opposed to the the traditional versions so I think from our perspective it's giving consumers the awareness that they you know there are healthier options they can choose and there doesn't need to be that sacrifice in taste just to say Roy I couldn't agree more and what we do is we we have when we do our shows and customer presentations, we do everything through products made with stone. So we'd have applications and it's all about the taste. And then people are waiting for, well, has that got no sugar in? Well, yeah, actually it has. And I think it's like you said, it's about changing the habits and also people understanding that there are there are products and and problem solvers out there like the Zisto that can make that change and it's about what's available to them that is something that they can use functionally in their business to get that change. Yeah. Now I'd just like to briefly touch on some of the targets 
that are have been set out for industry in terms of sugar reduction and calorie reduction. And the reason I'm doing that, we within the reformulation for health program, we look very holistically at everybody's products, their recipes, the potential nutritional targets they could meet, as well as maybe front of pack um, health claims and things like that that they could work towards. So back in 2006, the UK government set out a target for food and hospitality sectors to reduce sugars that contribute most to children's sugar consumption. And as Cawther was mentioning, the kind of children's snacking is very much um, high on the agenda at the moment. And it was looking at things like um, reducing 20% of the sugar in products such as breakfast cereals, biscuits, cakes, chocolate and ice cream. Can I just ask Cawther, how do you feel they've been received by industry and how how's the progression towards that? Um, so we know there's been the kind of third year third year of the program um, progress report we've not seen the final year which is obviously kind of concluded in a way because um, it was you know we have the target set of 20 percent by 2020 and now we've passed that but we haven't seen the results of 2020 and we don't know what the government has plans for going forward on sugar reduction um, but there has been some successes and other areas that haven't gone very well um, in terms of successful categories that have done clearly great sugar reduction um, which is, has been breakfast cereals and uh, yogurts achieving kind of between 12% and 13% reduction by the third year so kind of you could say is on track to achieving close to the 20% reduction by the fourth you know the fourth year um, and then you've got some areas that are kind of midway so you've got ice cream and lollies and sorbet being at the I think six percent mark reduction and uh, morning goods also being at that point too um, and then other areas that have been more challenging or has ha, have had very minimal reduction um, it's been chocolate and sweets and uh, cakes I think cakes has been okay it's kind of within the morning goods category um, but yeah I think the main issue for us is actually what is what are the new policy levers that can be used for categories like chocolate and sweets to bring about a reduction? And that could be portion size reduction, or it could be re- straight reformulation, uh, or, ch- or ch- you know, shifting promotions, shifting um, sales to healthy alternatives. Yeah. Oh, on the chocolate front, just give us a couple of years, Cather. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I suppose we've already discussed quite a lot of the different functional challenges that we have around maybe using sugar alternatives, and and, and hopefully it's maybe just been a learning process over the last few years, and as awareness is raised on how to apply some of these products, we should hopefully try and see a bit more improvements. We also have the on-pack health claims, so you could identify a product as being um, low in sugar, so maybe having no more than five grams of sugars per 100 grams um, for solids or 2.5 grams of sugars per 100 grams for liquids. Products being um, a health claim on pack as being sugar-free or no added sugar or energy reduced. Do you see these as, as um, important drivers for businesses um, reformulating, Julie? Is that something that some of the businesses you're working with want to work towards? Uh, Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. And I know that um, there is, obviously there is the pressure coming through in terms of reducing the sugars within uh, within the industry, because we know that obviously you mentioned about the government guidelines and some of these haven't necessarily been met. Um, And we know that um, there is obviously the sugar tax has has been in the news this year and you know the government are you know is it looming um you know that pressure is coming through um and also um 
you know, there's also with the, in the hospitality within the big companies, the calories as well. I know we mentioned the calories, but all these things are all moving towards the change and the fact that, you know, these sugars and what's been put on there are, you know, they, there is pressure for people to start look, looking at it to reduce it because because consumers do look at all this information. Um, they are, you know, they are very aware. I mean, you know, there's obviously people within the pop within the population, the diabetic community. Um, the sugars is obviously a very uh, important piece of information on that packaging. Um, by the way, Zusto is actually suitable for diabetics as well. It's got a very low GI. Um, so all these things are um, are important. Um, yeah. So yeah, I do think there is um, there is sort of this this pressure. And there's a market trend, especially post-COVID, because of because of the healthy trend and people, you know, they're looking for uh, less calories because of the obesity. And obviously that comes through the sugars, doesn't it? So, you know, all these different all these different things like the, the government um, and the, the guidelines, the sugar tax. And then the, you've got the post-COVID, the obesity crisis. They're all leading to, you know, how can we do this? And sugar reduction is obviously one of, one of the ways that this can be achieved. Absolutely, Julie. And I think one of the things that's really important um, and something that we're very aware of within FDF Scotland is that it's such a large challenge for food manufacturers. And there's obviously things like we've said, the sugar reduction targets, the Public Health England calorie reduction targets, HFSS coming into play in October next year within England and, and coming back out to consultation in Scotland. But what we, we're very aware that it, the, the onus can't purely be on food manufacturers. And so we've actually developed something called the Reformulate Partnership, which looks at connecting stakeholders and businesses across the whole food system to work together to support reformulation. And I'm delighted to say that Cawthor, Rory and Julie are all members of our Reformulate Partnership. And it really does just highlight how important it is for maybe Rory as a manufacturer, having that connection with his ingredient supplier, being aware of the policy drivers that you should be working towards. And I would just like to say um, that the Reformulate Partnership is open to anyone from manufacturers, ingredient re- ingredient suppliers, retailers, academia and stakeholders um, to really work together and showcase how we can we can all we can all connect to make reformulation the norm moving forward for the food industry. I'm aware of time. So what I would just like to say finally is if you have any final words to say to food manufacturers listening to help encourage and motivate them to start their reformulation journey to reduce sugar. Well, from our point of view, if, if you would like uh, any more information, visit our website. Please feel free to get in touch. Any questions just come through. Um, you know, we're happy to obviously help and give you know give you any information or support that we can rory as a manufacturer do you have any words of wisdom or experience to to give to other food manufacturers considering reformulating to, to your last point uh you know i don't want to sound too radical but this year obesity overtook smoking as the leading cause of avoidable death in the uk so i think it's only a matter of time until you know we're discussing diet in the same way we used to discuss smoking so there's clearly a bit of a, a way to go from from manufacturers like ourselves but you know it's a it's a very important journey and i think you know those who move first will reap the benefits so you know yes it's a challenge but there's a lot of self-interest for for manufacturers to to get on on board because you know consumers are are changing um and it's an exciting and fun journey to be a part of great thank you and cawthor do you have anything you want to add 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Rory. Um, I think, I mean, in terms of uh, globally what the risk factors are, um, it's quite clear that diet or different risk factors related to diet are leading in terms of disease and mortality around the world. So it is a, it is a matter of time. And the first companies to get there finding the solutions that are appropriate will have, I think, the advantage going forward. Um, and in terms of us, uh, we're also happy to talk to companies about the policy areas that we're working on. Um, and also we do uh, regularly talk to uh, companies um, about how they can change their nutrition strategies and improve them, uh, what we formulation they've done if they wanted to share that with us, uh, what plans they have in the future. Uh, and that's just so we're aware, as we do different campaigns on different categories, uh, what, are the what are the leading companies working on? It really does sound that the, the drive and the desire is there and the, the market opportunities there for businesses to be working towards sugar reduction. And I think by reducing sweetness levels, trialling innovative sugar alternatives and functional fibres, food manufacturers really can achieve successful sugar reduction and also as we said meet other reformulation goals such as enriching with fiber and, and reducing calories and fat. What I would like to say if anyone wishes any more information on the applications and use of functional fibers to reduce sugar we did actually host a focus on fiber webinar at the end of September which is available for people to access and view as they wish so that is available on our www.fdfscotland.com .org.uk website and I'd encourage you have to have a look at that. We had some fantastic input from both academia and industry. I hope that we've given you all food for thought on how to reduce the sugar content of your recipes or as Rory said earlier, how to have your cake and eat it. Um, for businesses within Scotland who are interested in starting a reformulation project, please get in touch with the Reformulation for Health team at reformulation at fdfscotland.org.uk. And I'd finally just like to thank Cawther, Julie and Rory for their input today. It's been really interesting hearing each of your different takes on reformulation and your different experiences. Finally, thank you for listening to this podcast from FDF Scotland. You can find out more about our work and if you are a food and drink business, how to join us at www.fdfscotland.org.uk.